Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Are you ready for victory in the midterms? Be ready. We are going to see a great victory. We're going to be part of a great victory. Not as spectators. We're not sitting back and just waiting for it to happen automatically because these things don't happen automatically. But the winds are in our favor. And we have a lot of work to do. But I want to share with you some reasons tonight why we should be confident, not overconfident, and uh, certainly not presumptuous or lackadaisical, but confident. We're going to pray. We're going to read from Scripture. I'm going to show you some numbers that, uh, you know, we always have to talk a little bit about why certain assertions about polls can be misleading. And we're going to actually delve into, in a very understandable way, uh, what the difference is between just a superficial analysis of polls and a deeper analysis of polls. Because here's the fact, the deeper you go, the more confident uh, you have reason to be uh, for Republican victories in this midterm. And as Newt Gingrich has said, it's not so much uh, a red wave that is a Republican wave, but a red wave that is an American wave. And uh, what he means by that, and I agree, is that you've got Republicans, Democrats, and independents who want a country that works. And right now, see a country that doesn't work, whether it's in terms of inflation uh, or the borders or crime or embarrassment of America on the world stage or basic fundamental moral values, the indoctrination of our children and a destruction of the right to life. All of these things are contributing to the very, very, very high numbers that we see. A recent poll I saw 79 percent of the people saying uh, this country is going in the wrong direction. Well, when people think a country is going in the wrong direction, that helps uh, the challenging party, not the incumbent party. In any case, let's read from the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament, a passage that is um, pertinent to what we're talking about here. It begins with a complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And then the Lord replied, Write down the vision plainly on the tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the vision still has its appointed time, presses on to fulfillment, and will not disappoint. Though it linger, wait for it. It will surely come and will not delay. Let us pray. Father, we have a vision 
We know the vision for America. It was laid out by our founding fathers. It was clarified by the preachers in the revolutionary era who laid out the cause for liberty as springing from the gospel and rooted in the dignity of the human person. We know the vision, Lord, for freedom, equality, justice, God-given rights, government only by consent of the governed. We know, Lord God, the vision that is brought to us in the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we stand by that vision with hope. Because no matter how many people want to betray it, or discard it, or destroy it, no matter how many want to say that it will not or cannot be fulfilled, we will stand with your words of the prophet Habakkuk. We will stand with the words of Jesus and Paul and so many of your saints to trust and to hope boldly and to press on to fulfillment and victory in Jesus Christ. That is why, Lord, we pray for America. We pray with confidence and we pray for these elections. Lord God, that we may see your people rise up and reject the indoctrination, the malfeasance, the culture of death, the culture of anti-American sentiment, and rise up with patriotism and love for life and faith in you. Bring this victory about, Lord God. The vision presses on to fulfillment. And we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, before I look at some numbers with you, you know, it's not only the United States in which the vision is there and presses on to fulfillment. You saw what happened recently in Italy. Now, I'm Italian 100 percent by uh, uh, through my grand my grandparents came over here as immigrants. And uh, I lived over there actually for two years. It was in the late 90s, worked for a while at the Vatican. And um, and it's Italy. Uh, just had uh, elections, and uh, you may have seen uh, 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 on the media and in social media, Giorgia Meloni, Italy's new prime minister, the first woman in that position. She says, I am Georgia. I am a woman. I am a mother. I am Italian. I am Christian. She knows her identity. She is proud of it. And, and instead of praising this milestone of a woman reaching this position in Italy for the first time in history, where do we see the feminists? Where do we see the proponents of women's advancement in society? What have they been saying? Nothing. Actually, more than nothing. She's being smeared by the left-wing radicals as authoritarian, far-right, and, wait for it, fascist. You know, it, the more they do this, the more laughable it becomes, right? It's like a global playbook that they're all following doesn't matter if it's the united states italy or any other country in the world people who embrace our vision of freedom 
people who embrace the vision of freedom in the Gospels and the vision laid out by our founding fathers and are faithful to it and fight for it and fight for family. Oh, well, we're fascists. That's all. All of a sudden, women making advancements in society. Well, that doesn't matter because, you know, it's not the right kind of woman. Just like they, instead of praising and thanking Justice Clarence Thomas for being on the court, you know, those who are looking for historic advances among the black community. Well, you know, he's black, but eh, not quite the right type, you know, and this is, it just reveals the hypocrisy of the other side. Okay. Let's get to the midterm elections. Newt Gingrich. I, I hope you get his newsletters, by the way, I want to recommend that as a, as a practical tool for you subscribe to Newt Gingrich's analysis of the elections. Uh, and you can get this online. Go to Gingrich360, Gingrich360.com. Let me read a little bit from one of his recent newsletters. He says, every August, and we're seeing it again this year, every August before elections, the liberal propaganda media try to make the Republican case seem hopeless. They want to demoralize donors, volunteers, and even candidates. Now, let's pause there. You know, at this point, especially in an election, now the ground game has to get underway. Voting has begun, and the ground game has to be underway. We need volunteers pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, making phone calls. One of the things we do at Priests for Life, and all of you can be involved if you aren't already, is we, we feed volunteers into the efforts of various organizations that have these very sophisticated uh, programs underway of knowing exactly uh, where the persuadable voters are and going to their doors and knocking and talking about the very issues that we know they are concerned about. It requires a lot of energy. A candidate knows that to win, it's not enough to have somebody say they're going to vote for them. They have to find people who are on fire for them because it's not going to be enough that they go and vote. They've got to generate hundreds and thousands of votes. They've got to be so on fire and ready to sacrifice working morning, noon and night, day after day, seven days a week, nonstop from now till election day to, to give every ounce of energy to get that candidate elected, to be willing to, 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 to endure criticism and to, to pay the price, this is what it takes, is that kind of fire to get somebody elected, right? So the other side knows, well, if we can, you know, kind of temper that enthusiasm a little bit and try to demoralize people. Remember the old saying, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. And the, the friends, in fact, let me go over to the board. I want to write this down because it's so important. I want to apply it to elections. You can apply it to a lot of other things in life, but let's go over to the, to the whiteboard. The battle, this applies to elections, especially now at this point in time when the ground game has begun and the election moves into its most intense phase. The battle is in, and let's turn to red here, the mind of the enemy. In other words, let's put an exclamation point there. It doesn't matter if your enemy is really behind in the polls. 
really has less enthusiasm than your people do. The truth of the matter doesn't matter. What matters is not where the enemy stands in reality. What matters is what's in the mind of the enemy. Do they think they're behind? Do they think they're losing? You see? Because if you can get into the mind of your enemy that they're behind, you're going to demoralize them. They're not going to have the kind of energy and willingness to sacrifice and pound the pavement morning, noon, and night, seven days a week before the election, like I just described. And that's what's necessary to win. So Newt is saying, and by the way, let me put down that website that I just mentioned. Get his newsletters. This uh, this is a tremendous source of understanding and encouragement. Gingrich, 360. Com. Okay, now you have a new tool in pr to prepare for these elections. He sends out three uh, newsletters free of charge every week. Take a look at that and utilize that, as do I. So he says, look, donors, volunteers, candidates themselves, the other side always tries to demoralize them at this point in the election. They run polls with all Americans. Now... <laughs> This is an important point. You know, when you look at a poll, what you have to ask is a poll of whom? Polls of all Americans? What good does that do in trying to foretell the outcome of an election when you have so many Americans that aren't even registered to vote and so many who are registered who aren't going to vote? You want to take an opinion poll, you could take an opinion poll, but don't use that as a barometer of how an election is going to turn out. You can get a little bit closer to reality by talking about and asking your questions of registered voters. But then again, like I just said, many who are registered don't vote. So it's interesting as a data point to say, okay, well, this is what registered voters think. So a lot of people jump right to the results of the poll, the numbers, maybe the question that was asked. But it's like, you got to ask this. Who's answering the question? And what difference does that make for the outcome of the election? All right, so if it's registered voters, okay, you got to be registered in order to vote, but that doesn't mean if you are registered, you're going to vote. What's the better, what's the, we should say, the closer analysis to what the outcome is actually going to be? Well, how about likely? And pollsters have various ways of identifying this. Likely voters, likely. They're likely to vote in the election. Now you're getting a little bit closer. But even with that, and this is a point that Newt makes and that I want to emphasize here, even with that, you're still not getting to what really matters. Because what you have to ask, together with the question, who is answering the poll, of whom, and then you have to ask, where? Where? Where are those people answering the questions? Where do they live? Where do they vote? Because the way our elections are structured, right, you don't just count up the number of people all around the country. 
and tabulate the winner of the election. They vote in districts. And a congressman or congresswoman is going to win or lose because of the votes in his or her district, not because of the votes in some other district or some other state. Similarly, you think about the uh, competitive U.S. Senate races. You think about Georgia. You think about Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, important Senate races. All of, all of them are important, but some are more battleground than others. Those senators are going to win or lose based on the votes cast in that state. So a poll of like, even if you go down to the level of likely voters, again, you're getting closer to the reality of the situation, but if it's likely voters spread across the 50 states, the large Democrat majority that you're going to find in people who answer the poll in New York or in California is hardly going to answer the question about Georgia or Pennsylvania, right? So what matters here is polls of likely voters, answering the question of whom, in contested races or battleground states. Okay. Because if a, if a candidate wins, if a Democrat candidate, if a Democrat candidate is going to win in a state with 51% of the vote or 90% of the vote, a win is a win. It's not going to make him any more a senator. I mean, he'll have more of a mandate, but as far as who's going to win, it's not going to make him any more of the winner if he's got 90 versus 51. But then you've got a lot of people there that are answering that poll, and it doesn't necessarily tell you anything different about what the outcome is going to be. You've got to look at the polling in the places of contested races, swing districts, battleground states. Okay. Having said all that, let's look at an interesting recent story and statistic that gives us a clue to what's going on here. I'll show you some numbers. This was a, um, let me just get to the, uh, um, okay, so uh, ABC uh, News Washington poll, Washington Post poll, recently buried the lead, okay, about what was really crucial, and that is looking at, again, the competitive races. So you had uh, another um, source, 538 polling, looked at the competitive races for the House, this is, and found that in the among the registered voters, okay, that's not even the likely voters, among the registered voters in those districts that they consider competitives, 55% of the people were saying they're going to vote Republican versus 34% Democrat. Now, the, the significance of this 21-point difference, okay, is that these are in the competitive districts. This is going to determine where the House of Representatives goes. And this is the kind of detail you don't want to miss. 
And some stories, it kind of buries it in there and you don't really see what is really going to make the difference. We have a strong advantage in the competitive areas for the Republicans. This is much more important a number than the generic ballot. Again, the generic ballot across the country, you're going to ask people, you prefer to vote Republican or Democrat? And the Republicans throughout this cycle have basically enjoyed a lead there. And, you know, the, 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 the generic ballot together with the presidential approval ratings and, uh, um, uh, and, the, and the favorable, unfavorable numbers, how many think the country's going the right versus the wrong direction, are three key indicators of where the House races are going to go. But don't just think of the generic ballot. Look at the, uh, the competitive races. And this is among registered voters. These, this margin is even likely higher if you just look at likely voters. Now, I want to show you some numbers, therefore, when you consider rep- um, competitive races for the House of Representatives. First of all, let's look at the, uh, the context that we're dealing with. We have 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. And that, you'll recall, is uh, based on population. Okay, the number of people in a state determines the number of congressional districts. And for each congressional district, you have one seat in the House of Representatives. Some states are just one district for the whole state. Those states with less population um, versus places like California and so forth that have a lot more. All right. Therefore, if there's 435 House seats, what is a majority? A majority... And this determines then who is which party is in control of the House, which means a lot, because then they control the committees. They determine what legislation uh, gets out of committee and and has a vote on the floor. And they likely determine in that vote on the floor whether that bill is going to pass or not. So what is a majority if you're dealing with 435 seats? It's 218. 218 right now is the magic number. If you're going to win 218 of the 435 U.S. House of Representatives um, elections, you gain control of the House. Now, right now, the Republicans are where? They're somewhere around 213. They're only about five seats away from a majority right now. So, you know, the, the margin is historically very slim right now. It has been throughout this Congress. Democrats are only a few seats above the majority. So it's it's based, and of course, as you know, the Senate is split 50-50. What do we see? I want to look here at another great source, together with Gingrich 360, is RCP, Real Clear Politics, okay? Been reading it for years, getting a good, uh, it brings together a good collection of different opinion pieces from both sides of the aisle, real clear politics. And they have a lot of numbers, okay? They have a lot of uh, analysis. I, I want to project onto the screen here what they're looking at, well, the numbers they're putting out right now for the House of Representatives, okay? And what they consider to be the toss-up races. Let's take a look at that, that diagram. Uh, the toss-up races, what they consider to be. Remember, uh, those who analyze these races uh, take a number of different categories into play, okay? Either 
a district is considered solid Republican or solid Democrat. It's like, hey, you know what? They have a lock on it. Or they consider them uh, likely Republican or likely Democrat. Or they say, well, they're leaning Republican or they're leaning Democrat. You know, it's not even likely, but it looks like it's going that way, but it could change. And then right in the middle, where it's not clear which way the race is going to go, you have the toss-ups. Now, if you can read the numbers across the bar, uh, that is, uh, first of all, you see the... the um, you see the, the 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 big numbers, but I'm looking at the bar in between. I'm going to lay it out here on the uh, on the board for you, and we're going to do a little arithmetic here. So you've got, if you look at what they're saying about the uh, Republicans, 33. Okay, well, first of all, 33 of the races of the House are considered toss-ups. We don't know which way they're going to go. Okay, now. Safe Republican, solid Republican, they're putting at 179, solid R. And then you've got the likely Republican and lean Republican. Likely Republican, 17. And lean Republican, 22. Okay. Now, if, okay, likely and lean. Now, if you like to do a little arithmetic, never mind about the toss-ups for a moment. Let's, in fact, presume, and this is not going to happen, all right, statistically speaking, it's not going to happen. But what if you presume that all the toss-ups Go Democrat. Democrats win all the toss-ups. What are you left with? 179 plus 17 plus 22. If you add that up, you end up with 218. What is that? A majority. The Democrats could win all the toss-up races, and Republicans could still take over the House of Representatives. That's how good the math is right now. Again, and this is not coming from us; it's coming from that chart you see of real clear politics. And uh, that's the situation that we're in right now. The Democrats are not going to win all the toss-ups. It just doesn't work that way. Now you could also add some of these lean. You know, it doesn't mean the Republicans all hold on to all the races that lean their way. But the odds, you see, are very, very, very strong in Republicans' favor. There's a lot of other numbers here. You know, we can go into what issues are most important to the voters. And you know what? The issues that are most important to the voters in poll after poll at this point in time are the issues on which the Republicans are leading and in which the Democrats are embarrassing themselves. And again, Newt Gingrich goes into this. Um, you see the economy being the, uh, uh, the biggest issue for 82% of voters, inflation, 76%. Um, now abortion, the Democrats are trying to make some hay with that. You know, they, 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 they haven't got anything that they can 
run on, you know, or any accomplishments. All they can do is is instill fear in people. Oh, but the Republicans are going to ban all abortions. No, the Republicans introduced recently a very reasonable measure compared to what we've got now, abortion on demand, to say, hey, why don't we just start protecting these babies at 15 weeks? Now, they should all be protected, of course. But starting to protect the babies at 15 weeks, I mean, that's a lot of time into the pregnancy already. And actually, 72% of Americans think that abortion should be stopped at that point. Yeah, you listen, you've had 15 weeks to make your choice. You had more than almost four months. Enough already. Decide. The baby is, is you know, uh, quite well developed at that point. Bottom line is, it's not the issue that voters are saying is the most important to them. Even those who are saying, oh, yeah, I better get out there and vote and preserve the right to choose. They're not the ones that have the momentum in terms of what issues are most important. Let me go back to the chair. But pay attention to these numbers. Take a look at Real Clear Politics and encourage your friends uh, when you see this kind of thing uh, being uh, uh, being added up uh, there in the um, places like Real Clear Politics. So, friends, I wanted to share with you that encouragement tonight. You know, it's not a reason to be complacent. In fact, it's all the raw reason to work harder because, you know, an election is an election. You know, anything can happen, and uh, and yet we know the winds are still at our back. They have been through this whole cycle, and it's kind of, you know, don't you have mixed emotions? It's kind of like, you know, it's great that that we're we're on a winning track. There's no question. But it's sad that in order to be on the winning track, the country has to be such on such a wrong track. So it's sort of a mixed emotion kind of thing. You know, yeah, I'm really happy that it looks like we have an opportunity to put a big roadblock. Biden, you know, well, I don't want to say he's still going to be in the in the White House, but he's not up for re-election at this point. Um, of course, most people now don't think he's going to be able to even finish this term. But the point is, the, the, the White House is not on the ballot this time, right? So what you're going to end up with is still divided government, but better divided government than under total Democrat control, because then it puts the brakes on uh, their radical agenda. And then in 2024, we get a Republican in the White House, keep the House, keep the Senate, and then we can get back to um, making America great again legislatively. Uh, we're making America great again all the way through, and there's a lot of work being done by, by groups like the America First Policy Institute that is putting together policy even now in anticipation of a change in administration in a couple of years. Friends, let's go back to prayer and, and, uh, um, and, 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 and let's ask that this victory be secured. Lord, we thank you for the indications that we see here. We thank you for the work that's being done by so many people to bring about these victories. And we ask you, Lord, to keep us ever mindful that the battle is in the mind of the enemy. Let us be aware of the tricks that the other side wants to play on us, the demoralization that they want to Thrust on us, Lord, they can make polls, oh, sound so convincing. They can make numbers sound, oh, so persuasive and so definitive. And yet, Lord, for the lack of answer, asking some very basic questions like, who's answering these polls and where do they live? 
And how likely are they to vote? Well, Lord, we can draw encouragement from the facts, from the truth, from the real numbers. Lord God, let every citizen do everything in their power to elect candidates who will put you first, who will put life first, who will put America first, our freedom, our future, our children, our military, our borders, our economy, our standing in the world stage. In fact, Lord, everything that President Trump and his administration did for us allow us to see more and more of those kinds of victories in these coming weeks. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I know that you, friends, also like I, am concerned about election integrity, and one of the things we're doing right now is helping people to actually step up to the plate and do something about that. And you, you can get involved in the special project that we are doing at Priests for Life where people can actually help to identify uh, problem areas on the voter rolls in different states where there are discrepancies that are clearly in the data because this is public information, the voting rolls, and uh, can help to identify problems before they start and have people on the ground in those places look into, for example, a residence where there are 25 people registered to vote at that same address. If something's fishy going on there, let's go find out what that is. We can train you in helping out uh, in uh, uh, this project. It's a massive project. And if you go to prolifevolunteer.com, that's on... um, uh, that's one of our websites, prolifevolunteer.com. You'll see a little form there you can fill out and say, hey, I'd like to help. There's some things I can do. There's still time to do it uh, before the midterms, few weeks left. Hey, here's something I can do. I'll help. And then we'll give you the further info that you need in order to help. Thanks, friends, for uh, listening tonight, for joining me. And listen, President Trump gave a great talk the other night. I hope you saw it in, um, uh, in, uh, up in Michigan. Uh, this past uh, Saturday night. Fantastic talk. Watch it. You can see it on RSBN and also on our own website, uh, presidenttrumprallies.com. And then let's get ready for this coming weekend. There's going to be two of them, Saturday and Sunday, Saturday in Nevada, Sunday in Arizona. Let's listen to President Trump. He has a great track record in his endorsements in this these midterms and a great vision. We talked, we read about the vision in that beginning of the program from the prophet Habakkuk. And uh, President Trump is laying out a vision of America first and making America great. And that's the movement, MAGA, as he reminds us, which is the greatest political movement in our history. Let's be proud to be part of it. Let's remember that this country doesn't belong to those who are trying to destroy it. It belongs to you. And the best days of America are yet to come. Join hands with us in the midterms, prolifevolunteer.com. Fill out the form. We'll get you in on our trainings, let you help with voter integrity and a lot of other things. And brothers and sisters, in the meantime, please know of our prayers for you, for your loved ones, for all your needs. Let's go together towards victory. God bless you. Father Frank Pavone here. Connect with me on social media, FR Frank Pavone, starting on Truth Social, Getter, and the other platforms, FR Frank Pavone. And we'll stay connected, we'll stay encouraged, and look forward to joining you again tomorrow night. God bless. 
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.